Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And as always, we're going to be taking your questions. Make sure you head over to the Facebook page if that's not already where you're watching, and you can submit them in the comments section under our live video, get a discussion going. We love hearing even just the thoughts and comments other than the questions. And now's the time when we do get to talk about a lot of these big-picture things because the players are on this five-week break that they get between minicamp and training camp. This is when we really dive into a lot of the potential battles of training camp, of who's going to be at what starting spots or even – roster moves, things like that, of who's going to make the final 53. Uh, so for you to start off this this break time, just want to hear what your thoughts were on OTAs, minicamp, the whole big picture so far of the offseason, anything that we have learned or that you're it's, you're even more uh, you know inquisitive about now going a into training away, camp. A takeaway, if you will. Yes. A takeaway or two. Um, you know, minicamp, the three days of minicamp were probably most instructive of all because we watched all of that. Uh, we didn't necessarily – all the OTAs, OTAs weren't open to the media, and we didn't see every minute of those practices, but we saw every minute of those three practices. And I think my biggest takeaway was the defense seemed to be a little more successful than the offense. And that's – on one hand, that's not really unusual for this time of the year. Right. You know, the defense is by nature more reactive, and, and they do have the, a play in playbooks, but um, their success isn't quite as dependent upon being so perfect on knowing your plays and being the right place as offenses, right? So it's right. not surprising that the defense would be ahead. On the other hand, it's probably good news because that's the side of the ball that needed the most fixing after last year, right? which was quite obvious by our offseason moves, right? I mean, that side got a lot more attention. The, yeah. the other side basically got Ronald Jones and Ryan Jensen. Yeah, that's Those true. Those are the big, the big changes. There wasn't a whole lot of change otherwise. Um, so that was good to see, I think. Um, and, and, you know, it's good that it was competitive. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I was saying this to you earlier. We hear a lot this offseason players saying different things about the vibe around here, how it, it seems more, more confidence, more closeness, um, right. you know, just a different energy level around here. And while I think that's probably true, or at least true to the extent that they believe it, and that's a good thing, it's still kind of what you'd expect players to say at this right. time of the year. Now, when Coach Cutter specifically said he thought it was practices were way more competitive this spring than a year ago, that carries a lot of weight with me because he's not really prone to exaggeration. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so if it is true that it's a lot more competitive, I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's very true. Um, how much credence do you put into those things of where players are saying it's more, we're having more fun or it seems more competitive you said that Coach Cutter isn't prone to exaggeration, but I think a lot of times players, you know, will say what they know mm-hmm. they're supposed to say. Right. So does that also feel a little different to you than, than other years past, or how much weight do you put on I that? I think I, it depends on the player. Mm-hmm. Like, um, some guys some guys are just naturally more upbeat, right, and right. naturally more effusive in the way that they talk. But I'll say I, Levante David was saying stuff like that, and he's not a man of a lot of words. Yeah, that's I true. also don't think he's going to exaggerate or, or just say – that there's a different vibe around here just because it's the right thing to say. So um, given enough players talking that way, I think there's something to it. That being said, there's always a bit of cause and effect to this issue. Um, You know, for instance, guys are saying that they want to have more fun this year, and that's good. But – what comes first, you know? If yeah, winning makes everything you're winning, more fun. It tends to be more fun, yes. and your team tends to be closer and so on. So we'll see. I think the most important thing is not necessarily going to be the vibe around here, but if we were successful in adding talent, that's going to take us to a next level. Like, on paper, what was done to the defensive line is fantastic. It looks awesome. Right. And I think it will work, but you can't 
you can't guarantee it. You know, you you hope. Yeah, that's You do the best true. you can to put the pieces together. I do think not only – I know they want to run eight and nine deep in a rotation if everything works out well, and that would be great because I think that's a proven way to really get the most out of your D-line mm-hmm. in the NFL like the Eagles did last year. But it also gives you a little bit more leeway to weather injuries. Like when Noah Spence went down last year, we didn't really have another, you know, premier edge rusher type to replace him, right? So then you have to adjust. Yeah. Now we've got a lot of guys – that we can roll in and out there, and if you know if Vinnie Curry isn't available for a particular game, knock on wood, I didn't choose him for any particular yeah. reason. Uh, you know, you still have a lot of depth to still have that good pass rush. Hopefully, that's a great point. Uh, Jeff wanted to know when training camp starts, and this is a question that I've seen a lot. And part of why I hadn't even brought it up is because we don't know all those dates for sure yet. Is that still accurate at this yeah. point? Now I was out of town the last few days, but I don't believe there's been an announcement. It's usually right around this time of year. Right. Um, I, I wrote about that in, in my last week's mailbag. It's last last couple of years, the announcement of which training camp dates were open to the public um, usually came in around June 20 to 25th. So it should be coming out any day now, I would think, uh, judging by history. One little trick you can do to figure out when training camp starts is that teams are not allowed to start training camp more than 15 days before their first preseason game. Uh, so start counting back. Yeah, and they're not going to give away any of those days. So every team right. starts on that exact day they're allowed to. So find out, I think, what is it, August 12th? Look up the first preseason game, right. count back 15 days, and you're probably right about where the start of it will be. Okay. Uh, Brandon said, who are you most impressed by so far? Well, um, Chris Godwin, just because, uh, according to the coach, he has been not only good but so consistently good. Like, he does stuff every single practice that uh, people feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, on defense, you know, I will say this. When Brent Grimes and his voluntary, we have to keep repeating that, right. wasn't at every OTA, but he was at mandatory minicamp, right. and there was an obvious difference. There was a clear difference. He's a playmaker. He, he – uh, he made a bunch of plays in the red zone on one of the practices I was watching, and that makes me also think of O.J. Howard, mm. who looked really good in the red zone in some of those drills. So he could be a guy that takes a really big st- leap forward. That's great to hear, and I'm uh, I'm excited about this question. Kevin said, are any of the off-season rule changes going to make a big difference? We haven't talked about that a whole lot on this show. Well, I, I just wrote, and we'll be posting today, uh, about the kickoff rule changes, and um, I would urge you to go read that because I talked to our special teams coach, Nate Katzer, because I wanted to know what he thought would be the uh, effect of all that. Um, before I get into that, I will say the one that has the potential to make the most difference is obviously the new helmet rule, the leading with your helmet rule. Depending on how strictly that is called, that could significantly change the game. I tend to be of the belief that it's not. I, I'm not I'm not one of these people that's really worrying about it a lot. Mm. If, if it happens, then we'll worry about it. Right. I think they're, they're looking for the egregious hits. I think there'll be eight or ten more of those over the season than you've been used to seeing, but I don't think it's going to cause a flurry of flags every time a guy's helmet comes in contact with somebody else. Yeah. I don't think that's the big issue. I think it's going to be the ones where you can – and you, you can picture them in your mind where a guy clearly could have made the tackle, even a hard tackle, without involving his helmet, but he made the conscious decision to put his head down and leave mm-hmm. his helmet, and that's what they're trying to get rid of. Now, back to the kickoff thing, um, Nate Katzer, our special teams coordinator, says it's not clear yet which side it's going to benefit the most. The, the design of the – the reason for the rule changes – is uh, to make the play safer 
Um, but it will probably also result in one side or the other kickoff or return coverage or return getting a bit more of an advantage. Uh, and if it ten- if it turns out to be that it's better for the return team, then that's going to be a big change because the kickoff has been fading a little bit. And there were only I think seven kickoff returns for touchdowns in the NFL last year. If that number goes up by eight or nine, ten. Uh, and hopefully one or two of those are the Buccaneers that can make a big difference. So it could be exciting. I personally don't want to see it go up by like 20 or 30. Right. I don't want to see a touchdown kickoff return every game. But a few more would be cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Don wants to know who's the front runner to start opposite of Grimes at corner. Boy, that's a, that's a loaded question. Hmm. I, that, that competition is so – well, this is good. It's so – there's so many possibilities there, okay? You can't discount Ryan Smith because he was the guy last year. Right. Um Carlton Davis has really opened a lot of eyes mm-hmm. and could be a weapon against bigger receivers. But he's a rookie. So while I think it's awesome he's done well so far, there's still a long way to go for him mm-hmm. to be proven that he should be starting from day one. Yeah, when pads haven't even gone on yet. Yeah, exactly. And then um, Vernon Hargraves, as we've mentioned several times, mm-hmm. has looked quite good in the slot this spring. But it's been said that he's still in competition to start on the outside and maybe have a hybrid role in and out. So are you asking me the fa- did he ask me the favorite? Yes. Put me on the spot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll the dice and go with Carlton Davis. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I hope so. That would be a good. That would be a good time. Okay. Uh, Joseph wants to know who seems to be imposing their will more in the trenches, the O line or the D line. I'll already start with the caveat yeah. you're going to give. There's no yeah. pads on, so yeah. it's not exactly a representative sample. But not at all. N- is there anything that you feel no. like you'd be able to tell you on can't, that? You can't tell. They, 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 they just can't. We, we'd get fined and have practices removed if they were hitting each other the way they were supposed to. And, and really, when you just come up and, and make contact but then kind of hold it there, how can either side be imposing their will? Right. You know, I just don't see how it's possible to tell. That being said, it's going to be great when we get to training camp and we get to see Ryan Jensen going against Vita Bea. Two new players. I mean, Ryan Jensen against Gerald McCoy, too, but I'm talking about two, the new, two players. new players. Yeah. Which one or both will, you know, get the upper hand and, and you know, which, so which side will prove to have a better addition? I like that. Uh, Chad said, any chance a mid to late round or possibly even undrafted player has a chance to be a surprise starter? Starter. 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 Um, well, let's go down. The, the late late guys would be, does, if fourth round counts, Jordan Whitehead, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. Safety, yeah. because I think that's a little bit wide open. You can't really count out. I think Justin Evans is almost a lock to be one of them, and Chris Conte is the incumbent and would be the probable other starter. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they viewed him, even as a fourth-round pick, as a guy that, that could develop into a starter, so maybe that happens quickly. I don't see how fifth-rounder Justin Watson or sixth-rounder Jack Sitchie is really in line to start unless right. Kendall Beckwith is out and at the start of the season Sitchie is the best option there. But I don't think either of those are terribly likely, although I do think they'll both be on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, undrafted guys, there's some guys that are going to make it, I'd keep my eyes on Sean Wilson, the running the running back, uh, the tight end. Some of those tight ends, maybe Donnie Ernstberger, um, the safety, Goblin Igwe Bike, but I don't think any of those would probably be starters. Okay. Yet. Yes. Uh, Ed said, it looks like the D-line is going to be much improved. How does Hope that affect so. the scheme in the secondary? Well, uh, it affects the secondary simply by hopefully reducing by a good amount the amount of time that they have to cover. Because mm-hmm. in the NFL, with these receivers and these quarterbacks, you can't give them – too much time or they're always going to get somebody open right mm-hmm. and we saw a little bit of that we saw a lot of that last year didn't we yeah do you do you think that that in, would increase the amount of press coverage that they would want to do especially knowing that again they wouldn't have to cover as yeah. long but then or is that more of a decision about personnel in the secondary and probably that yeah you think? because the reducing the time helps you whether you're doing press or zone right um 
in, in different ways. But, yeah, you could see – I do think there's going to be some more press. And if you can combine a, a faster pass rush with effective press coverage, you can keep guys from ever getting into their route quickly enough for the quarterback to have a chance to throw it to mm-hmm. um, So that's a good thing. Uh, I think in terms of scheme, it may affect the defensive line more. Um, you may just have more simpler lineup – and go get your go get them rather than needing to do stunts and things like that. I think it may be a, a simpler approach up front, just with more rotation and right. fresher legs. Yeah, that was something that uh, some some people were discussing is at, at seeing at practice how they were all playing different positions on the line. That Coach Buckner seems to really be emphasizing to them that they are D linemen. They are not Ooh. interior or outside. That they are so maybe we'll see D linemen. And I, I thought that would be intriguing. So maybe we'll see a couple snaps where I don't know Jerome McCoy's on the edge. Wouldn't that be interesting or to see? Vinny Curry's on the inside. Yeah, and they said there was an example of JPP being on the inside. It's just I, yeah. I find all of that to be really interesting. That, that would be cool. They're D linemen. Be good if you're if. If opposing teams are coming into a game thinking this is this is the guy we got to stop, whether that's McCoy or JPP or whatever, it'd be good if there was some mystery as to where they were going to find that guy you mm-hmm. know, from snap to snap. Yeah. Uh, Steven wants to know, is there a front runner in the kicker battle this early? Yeah. <laughs> the guy we signed as a free agent, Chandler Cotton-Zaro. And that's not to um, – you know, say anything bad about the rookie. Yeah, the rookie kicker actually looked pretty good. He Trevor did. Moore? Yep, yeah, he's he, been looking really great too. But seriously, you sign, and it's still, no matter what happens, it's an awesome opportunity for Trevor Moore. And every, right. every kicker's, NFL kicker's career has to start somewhere, and most of them take a while to get started. Most of them are undrafted right. guys. Most of them have to go to a few camps. Maybe Trevor Moore will win the job here. I'm not going to discount that. But the obvious front runner is the guy you gave a pretty decent-sized free agency contract to. Right, yeah. that's. It's always interesting how... That does seem too effective instead of it just being about these two. I mean, how you acquire a player can factor into the decision to a degree. And I'll say that, and and I say that not because I think that his the the contract that he's getting is the important part of the equation here that the bucks are, are going to choose him because they gave him that much money but simply you got that much money because you have already established yourself as a good NFL kicker and therefore if you have any early struggles in training camp knock on wood hopefully it doesn't happen um you're going to be given a little more leeway because there's a track record mm-hmm. you know if if Chandler misses a kick in in his first preseason game we're not you know, getting all worried right. and thinking, well, we got to go with the young guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the reason. That's true. All right. Well, and with this one, Ryan wants to know what is the most important off-season addition we made. Can I have like a five-way tie? A five-way tie. Uh, I think in the, I think in the long run, it's going to be Vita Bayo. Really? Yeah. But maybe right away, I'd say the. I'm going to cheat a little and say the combo, uh, the combo of ends of of JPP and Vinny Curry. Okay. So the immediate improvement versus the long-term yeah. effect on the franchise, those yeah. would be your two different answers. Yeah, and, you know, you took – some people questioned Vita Veo over some other positions right. because defensive tackle, especially after we signed Bo Allen, may not have seemed like the biggest Basically, need. Yeah. But I think I think they value this guy as a – you know, as a guy that can become a game-changing defensive tackle in the likes of Gerald McCoy or Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And those aren't easy to get, mm-hmm. Geno Atkins, guys like that. And when those guys – develop into that like all the guys i just mentioned they tend to be good every year for a lot of years in a row and that's a good thing to have and so even though you have Joe mccoy it can't hurt to have another defensive tackle who's among the elite right and i think they drafted him because they think he will be that that's awesome and that's and a great point. that's probably of everybody we added three or four years ago three or four years from now we're going to think 
that was the most important one. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us here on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for being here this week, and we hope you'll join us next week as well and be thinking of those questions throughout the week to send us on Facebook. Have a great rest of your day.